Hey everybody, this is Sean. This is Kevin. And welcome to another episode of Shot by Shot. We took a little bit of a detour, but the wait was worth it because we have Miss Caitlin Yarsky. Now, Caitlin is a little bit of a newer name to many of us, but if you've paid attention to her two series, Bliss and Coyotes, both written by Sean Lewis, she is someone you will have a hard time forgetting. Yeah, she busted right out of the gate with Coyotes. I know when I first saw it, I was like, all right, who is this and how have I missed her? Uh, but, <laughs> uh, she didn't look like somebody doing her first book. Now Bliss is on the stands and it's even more impressive. Yeah, she knows how to world build very, very well. And as Brian goes into it, she balances this very fine line between cartoony expressionalism and realism that's so hard to find. So we, we talk about Don Bluth and that is exactly an applicable analogy to her work. Something that can delight one second and devastate in the next. Discovering her work and then finally getting to meet her and talk to her, I uh, really enjoyed getting to know her a little bit and finding out you know, her influences. And uh, overall, yeah, just a, a great a newcomer on the scene and really glad she was uh, able to join us and can't wait for everybody to hear this podcast. All right, everybody, this is Caitlin. Please enjoy. Hey everybody, welcome to another Shot by Shot. This is Sean. This is Kevin. This is Brian. And we are here with the very lovely Miss Caitlin Yarsky. Caitlin, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Majestic. Awesome. Yep, doing great. So Caitlin, yeah. you are the penciler of Coyotes. Bliss, which is out now, both have Sean Lewis as the writer, but you've also dipped your toes in the writing pool as well recently, right? Mm-hmm. On a very, very hallowed IP, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, yes. Yes. Nice. <laughs> so, childhood dream come true. <laughs> we want to it talk about. <laughs> it can be both. It doesn't have to be exclusive. Old school Buffy fan. Just show it by. Oh, my God. <laughs> the whole, yeah. the, all the DVDs. Not not Blu-rays. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I had the DVDs too. Yeah, yeah. I had them in one of those like those cool binders that are full of DVDs that, that I had to put, <laughs> yeah. like in order. Mm -hmm. One of the best shows ever. Period. Oh, so no, uh, it's geeks. a great show, Brian. Geeks are in the room. <laughs> yeah, they're every week on this show. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're cheating right now. I just realized, but I think I might be the only one who actually is fulfilling the shot by shot prophecy. So let's start. Brian, what are you drinking? Ah, um, and this is like, you know, sort of in honor of our guests, I decided to go with something that's like both cartoonish, which is coconut water, but it's coconut kefir. So it's cartoonish, but sour at the same time. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> you always have the most metaphysically appropriate drinks to fit the theme of the show. Oh. <laughs> it's well, a like true I, skill. I gotta like, you know, sort of reflect it somehow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kevin, what are you drinking? Well, yeah, I, I usually try to put some thought into what I'm gonna drink that might sync up with what we're doing, but uh, I found a bottle of Buffalo Trace at the store last week, so <laughs> I'm cracking that baby open. <laughs> nice. Caitlin, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, I finished it already, but this is peppermint tea. <laughs> You oh. and Brian would get along. Yes. <laughs> yes, we would. We already do. 
Uh, I'm a week late because this is Greg Rucka's wife's favorite cider. But this is oh. Marionberry Incline Cider from Portland. Uh, not too dry, not too sweet. Always seasonally appropriate. Goes down nicely. And uh, I could basically drink Incline for every episode. It's been treating me well. I believe nice. they owe us a case for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, when are you getting paid? I mean, yeah. it's comic, so uh, I don't know, three months. <laughs> So, Caitlin, talk to us. Right now, you are working on Bliss, correct? Yeah. Now, Mm -hmm. Bliss is Sean Lewis. Sean Lewis is the writer, as we discussed. What's this comic about? Because I feel like it has a lot going on in its Venn diagram, both visually and conceptually. Um, Yeah, it's kind of hard to sum the whole thing up. But just in a nutshell, it's about a a family that's having trouble and they live in this this really rough city called Feral City and um, the son is sick and so this father does some messed up stuff to uh, get the money to to help his son get better Uh, and so that's kind of the start of it and you find out some more about the fantasy that gets entwined in all of it but there's this drug that makes you forget the bad things that you've done in your life. So it's kind of his way of taking the edge off when he's kind of this hitman. So it's uh, it's his way of dealing with it. That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, it also does a nice job of balancing that sort of gritty realism with a beautiful fantasy world. Is, is this right? Would you call this a fantasy noir? Um, I... I keep thinking about the stories that me and Sean are doing together, almost like magical realism. Um, though I know that that's got a, its own cultural history that's not really relevant, but it's sort of how I think about it. Kind of like to have a Sandman. It's, it's sort of this world, sort of not. And there's a lot of you know mythology that gets just kind of like tangled up in our world. So I kind of keep it pretty surreal looking, but also grounded enough that you're not like, where am I? You know. <laughs> Ah, oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the things that um, that really struck me about this, uh, especially compared to your uh, your other stuff, I mean, one of the things that I really love about the work that you do is I think you have an incredibly large kind of artistic vocabulary. I mean, you're you're able to really capture things all the way from very, very cartoonish to very, very naturalistic. And I think with, um, with this, especially the, um, the key characters, you have a tendency to render them a little bit more uh, naturalistic, whereas a lot of times the heavies are a little bit more cartoonish. So, um, mm-hmm. and, and I really like the, the fact that your, your style kind of allows you to, to put that range in a single story. And uh, and you can you can actually get something because because it's it's always my attitude that that naturalism is better at conveying subtleties, whereas cartoons are better at conveying intensity. So you're like you're like cheating, (laughs) but but you're like cheating by by doing both at the same time. So you get the the subtlety of of kind of this almost like a romance, but you also get like just these really cartoony heavies, you know, sort of in this story. And and, and I love that your style allows you to do that. Wow, thanks. I mean, that's, um, man, high praise, thank you. I mean, it's just, it's really cool to, 
that, I mean, I, I can't put it any better. Like, like it's so much easier to, to exaggerate and have these like big moments in this more cartoony way and then have those like really intimate subtle moments with like all the details that you need and expressions and stuff like that. So I never really thought of it that way, but I guess that's true. It's like, it's like style sort of morphs uh, to fit the, the scene or to fit, you know, what's happening. Um, but I've learned a lot from artists over the last few years that I've been looking at in comics because when I was uh, trying to figure out what I wanted to do with illustration and like working in games and everything, I was, most of my influence has been from fine artists and, you know, straight up illustrators and stuff like that. So, um, you know, looking at people like James Heron and Matteo Scalera uh, yeah. and like um, Greg Tacchini and like, you know, Fiona Staples and just seeing the way that they can like simplify things when they need to and then kind of, and even anime does that sometimes, you know, like when they have those like extreme moments, everything's like super simple. And then when they go like, you know, more serious, it's, it's uh, more realistic. It's kind of fun to play around with those, those two. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, I think, I think you're in, and you said earlier that that you'd only been doing this for five years, and uh, and it's it's kind of strange because comics is this weird thing that's not necessarily illustration, it's not animation, and but it borrows a little bit from all of those things, uh, and the type of storytelling that you have to do with comics is very different than just about anything else. Um, and uh, and you've, you've really picked it up uh, quite well. Wow, thank you. Um, I mean, yeah, I think it, it, does, it does borrow from everything. You know, it, it borrows from animation really heavily, I think, in general comics. You know, it's, it's like, you know, I love like Don Bluth movies and- Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and like Miyazaki. Yeah, and like even old like Looney Tunes, you just look at that quality of animation and you're just like, wow. And um, Wait, wait, Caitlin, can we pause for a second? What's your favorite Dom Bluth movie? Because I want to like dive in just for a hair to talk and about Dom remember, you Dom will Bluth. be judged. Yeah, because I, I have a favorite, but I'm, I can't remember if he's actually on this or if it just looks like Dom. I'm pretty sure it is Dom Bluth. It's uh, an American tale. No, that is the Dom Bluth movie. Yeah, that's the yeah. one for me. Uh, for me, yeah, it's the, uh, the Secret of Nim. Oh, it's so beautiful. Yeah, uh, yeah, the rats that in that animal? movie are just. <laughs> yeah. Should I ask if All Dogs Go to Heaven is aesthetically inferior to both of those movies? Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it depends on the budget. I think you know, it's not like the it's not the quality of the animators. I don't think it's it's like how much I, 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 it's got to be how much time it takes or how much money they have to make something because you know what I mean. It's like when Avatar: The Last Airbender was kind of like a little bit simple in the beginning and you're like, okay, this is good, but I feel like I could, and then by the end of it, when they had all that money, it was just like, <laughs> and yeah, crazy yeah. And then, I think it was the same artist. It's just that they had more time to make uh, things amazing. Yeah. My issue with all dogs go to heaven is I don't like it when an animation is specifically designed to make me cry. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh come on! I was in a, I was in a fetal position as a kid. That movie wrenched me. The Fox and the Hound. Uh, The Fox. When I was, I was like, I don't know, ten, and was too old to be going to see, you know, that. And I think maybe uh, Star Wars, uh, Empire Strikes Back was out, and it was sold out. And uh, and I don't, I don't remember exactly how, but. You know, we had a group. Anyway, 
we went in late. It was like a Saturday morning, you know, Saturday matinee and packed house. And so my mom was with us in a group. And so everybody ended up splitting up. And I sat with my mom and we watched the Fox and the Hound and we were pissed because I wanted to see Empire Strikes Back for the 10th time. Um, <laughs> and I cried like a baby. It, 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 you know, the pivotal scene, I was like, started crying. I'm like, oh my God, I hope none of my friends see me. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, I mean, so, some yeah, of the animated I, movies will get you every single time. I, I can't watch the Iron Giant without losing it. Like, Oh man. A great one. Yeah. yeah the, <sighs> the Iron Giant, when, when it gets to the I'm Superman scene, <sighs> Um, I always like drop a single man yeah. tear. You know, yeah. Sort of on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I'm like ugly crying. It's like it's embarrassing. Uh, now my yeah. girlfriend's like that, but I am iron faced man tear. <laughs> Does the tear smell like Axe body spray? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Are you kidding? And the tear smells and like green just, tea. Yeah, it, just, <laughs> just, it drops in slow motion. <laughs> It oxidizes as it drops. Yeah, yeah it eventually it just turns to steam. <laughs> but but Caitlin, this actually broaches something that's a little bit more wide. Is I remember when we were when I was at Image, we used to do live draws. And a lot of the folks when they would do live draws would do comic book characters. And then I was like, you'd ask me, what do you want me to draw? And I'd say, Caitlin, draw whatever you want. And you drew like some Caravaggio Renaissance old man. <laughs> it was like it was you it was maybe Merck and Dolpho and Wes Craig and and Merka drew her pig girl Wes Craig probably do Saya from Deadly Class and you were like behold the renaissance man <laughs> I don't know it was an old lady it was I think it was an abuela from Coyotes but I did there were no, no 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 I'm talking about you did that for the thing that we taped and put on YouTube but I'm talking uh, for like uh, Emerald City Comic Con. Oh man. Okay. But the that. question was, <laughs> uh, tell me about your journey from studying the greats and how that wove into the more pop culture. Um, I mean, when I say I started five years ago, it's, it's I mean, I, I started getting into the industry five years ago, but I've I've always been kind of doing my own little comics. I did I drew a comic to get into college when I transferred schools. Um, I drew comics when I was you know, in, in, uh, in middle school and high school and stuff like that, just like my own silly things. And, um, and they're mostly like comedy based, which, uh, I'm really glad they're not on the internet and that the internet wasn't really a thing back then because <laughs> they're awful. But, um, oh, yeah. yeah, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess I just, I tried a bunch of different avenues for art and I still like to paint and I still like to draw realistically and I still like to do all that stuff so I I kind of exercise you know I kind of scratch that itch by doing those, those covers in a painterly way but yeah I mean I love animation and animated movies so I think that was part of it too and just I, I have a love of that kind of pop culture and of course like Sandman got me into more mainstream comics and I think I just kind of realized kind of later than I wanted to but I realized I wanted to in that direction well it's interesting you mentioned sandman because that's not a book that's recognized for its artistic necessarily appeal because it had so many artists on it so yeah. what were the arcs in there and which artists that kind of snagged you um i know jill thompson i liked her in brief lives a lot oh man um, she is a she is a beast she's a she is yeah. so good yeah 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 um and there was one oh i feel so bad that i don't know the guy's name but there was a, an anchor who did there was this like scene 
I don't remember what, which volume it was, but it was, there was a scene where he was, they were in like an Arabian desert. It was like a very like Middle Eastern desert. And, um, was this Pete Craig Russell? Thinking, mm, I don't know. It was, it was like really, uh, sharp and really, uh, kinetic. It was like really, really beautiful. And I, I can't remember who it hmm. was, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's not known for the art so much and I can appreciate that looking back at them. It's more the, the writing that really hooked me the writing really hooked me. And so it kind of like, it kind of made me think, oh, comics can be like this too. It's not just, you know what I mean? So like, not not that I couldn't get into the superhero stuff. It's just for me, even now, it's still too intimidating. Like, I feel like there are, there's like a hundred years of like this huge, amazing soap opera that I don't know where to start or anything. You know, like I've, re- <laughs> I've read like some of the greats. I've read Watchmen, I've read Dark Knight, you know? Um, but it's just like, I don't know. I feel like I need a class or something to be like, this is where you start and then you go here and then you read this person's version of this. And then you, then, then there's the whole reboot of like, right. DC did like a whole, so I don't know. I just feel overwhelmed by that stuff, which is why I kind of like the indie thing where I feel like I can. Which is the problem with mainstream comics. Nobody yeah. can figure this shit out. <laughs> yeah. What you just yeah. said is a market trend. What you just said is so indicative of where comics is going that it's not something you should feel ashamed about. It's the new reality. Yeah, yeah. And, and I do think um, there's, there's something, I think, cool to be said about as, as an artist, being able to have your art be larger on a small story, you know, rather than your art feeling so tiny, <laughs> you know, sort of on this giant canvas that everyone has had uh, a, a shot at. You know, and uh, yeah. and it's 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 kind of weird when I remember when when I was first getting into it, it was like, oh, I'm drawing Batman. Mm-hmm. Big deal. You know, it's like, you know, a hundred other guys have drawn Batman way better than I will ever draw Batman. So it just kind of feels like um, sort of a waste of time. Mm-hmm. But when you when you get the opportunity to create something. You know, it's kind of that you get that feeling of, oh, this is this is mine. This is my character. And when people think of the character, they're going to think of the way that I depicted the character. And uh, and I think that's one of the cool things about uh, about independent um, comics and um, doing sort of the smaller stories, even when you're doing the smaller stories of the superhero stuff or the Mm -hmm. the second third fourth fifth tier characters you can kind of go hey i can make that one mine <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? yeah you know and, uh, yeah i mean i think that that's one of the best things about it you know like having that creative ownership and feeling like i'm telling this story and this is my voice and this is my you know and it's there's no other industry that lets you really do that like i mean i i, I love designing games it's a great job but it's it's not my passion and i i mean i have designed hundreds of spongebob games hundreds (laughs) if i never see or animate spongebob ever again it will be too soon you know what i mean and it's it's just so easy to be like you're part of this bigger thing and that's fine but like you're saying and i'm sorry i didn't mean to interrupt oh no 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 i i think i think i think you're you're nailing it and 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 i think to to a certain extent when you do that you can't feel any ownership 
you know, and, uh, and, and what you're talking about is the same thing that like, there's that chase, you know, as, as, as an artist, you're, you're, you're chasing, uh, there's this weird combination of, of like, I want to consume, but I also want to show off my ego, you know, at the same time. And, uh, and it's, it's really interesting when you get an opportunity on a great story and, you know, you get an opportunity to create something from uh, from scratch. Being like one of the oarmen, you know, on this giant ship, there's really nothing, you know, you, you have nothing to do with where that ship is going or anything like that. It took me a while to figure out that, oh, that's the thing that's cool about comics is mm-hmm. getting, to, getting to do these cool stories. Yeah, and having a voice of your own that you can share with people. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's weird because when you see a drawing of Mickey Mouse, one of a million people throughout time could have done that drawing or, you know, sort of Greg could have done that yesterday. (laughs) And it's just like, it's just so faceless. It doesn't really matter, you know, but, um, but with, uh, with your characters, the moment we see it, we knew, we know, okay, that's Caitlin. You know, that's her thing. I, to do the, your first comic was with with Sean, right? And yeah, Coyotes was it? Yeah. So, you know, you won the lottery right out of the gate. I mean, you were working yeah. with somebody who's incredibly talented. Yeah, you didn't have absolutely. to cut your teeth on a bunch of shit. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I did do one or two other projects that were awful to work on. They just never got published. So, oh, yeah. like there was there was one guy I worked for who was, and these these are just like freelance work for hire things, and they'll never see the light of day. But like one of them was two years on twenty pages. Oh my god. Where he would just send me like a novel of email like the email was just a novel every single time and it would take apart every single panel and i wanted to blow my brains out. i was just like what this is this can't be what comics is you worked for alan moore <laughs> yeah <laughs> no no that might have been worth it but this was not alan moore this was somebody totally different who was just it was alan smitty awful. <laughs> <laughs> alan smitty <laughs> So yeah, it was. Uh, I've had my share of horrible experiences, but they never, they never got published, thank God. So, yeah. Jumping from uh, illustration work into comics, how, how does that feel for you? Since uh, since it's a a relatively new thing, you know, just the the difference yeah. between between doing a single image or doing like a continuity of images. How does how does that feel artistically? Oh my God, I could talk to you about art all day. You're asking the greatest questions. It's totally true. It's like, it's it's like it's like switching gears. It's like um, if you play an instrument, like learning how to play. If you like play bluegrass, learning how to play jazz. It's like a whole different ball game. And it's like uh, yeah, yeah. It's weird because it feels like you're having you like learn how to draw again or something. Um, and learning how to edit and take away because I think I heard an interview with Dan Bartell or somebody who said that they were also in. Uh, illustration beforehand and like before they got into comics and, and they had to like learn how to like not overdo every panel you know what I mean because yeah. it's so easy because you want that whole thing to be like as beautiful as you think you can make it but you don't have the time to do that to every single panel you can't it's not possible uh, so, <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah the e- the ego and the storyteller and pitch battle <laughs> all the time yeah. <laughs> aren't you also a m- musician uh, yeah, I um, I sing and play fiddle. 
Oh man. And it's lovely. She makes but lovely, not, like, lovely not, like, music. No, oh, stop. I do no. not. Caitlin is going to mitigate her talent. She is as equally talented singing and playing the violin as she is with her miraculous hands. What out is it the violin or the fiddle? Because those are two completely different things. <laughs> <laughs> same thing from, I mean, from a southern guy you know the fiddle right i mean there's, there's different styles <laughs> the, the, the difference the difference oh, yeah, is no, longer yeah. no, longer notes that's yeah that's pretty much it <laughs> the difference is are you wearing overalls or not i think <laughs> i will never wear overalls yeah so you're never. playing the violin <laughs> Yeah, I think I, I think I'm a violin player who's masquerading as a fiddle player. That's kind of the... oh, there you go. One of the guys that I you know was in the studio with forever, and uh, and we still talk on the phone on a regular basis, is uh, mm-hmm. is Cully Hamner, and oh, we yeah. get into yeah we get into crazy, deep into the weeds and off the rail storytelling conversations, and uh, and what's interesting about those conversations is we we generally relate. Uh, everything to music. We we generally take everything that we're doing back to some sort of musical analogy. That's the easiest language to grab onto for us as far as uh, talking comics, because I think, because to a certain extent, mostly kids are doing this and I don't think there's any really good detailed scholarship on it, but, um, but we always talk in terms of beats talk in terms of stanzas mm-hmm. talk in terms of like you know reprises and all of that stuff and mm-hmm. uh, and and that's all kind of uh stuff that we brought back from uh from music and and i even yeah. think that probably some of the language that that i use probably goes back to uh wagner in the in the ring cycle because oh, wow. that's where i think a lot of that imagery a lot of that operatic images to pace comes from Wow, what do you play? Hmm? Oh, I do not play anything. Really? <laughs> well, um, sadly, sadly enough, I uh, I played the uh, violin when I was uh, much younger, um, mm-hmm. but I oof, I have not even looked at a violin uh, wow. for decades. You just sounded so knowledgeable about music that I was just curious. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh no, no, I just I have ears. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think when I was on that panel with uh, with uh, you, Sean, and uh, Wes Craig and Daniel Warren Johnson, we were all geeking out with each other about music. And uh, I think Daniel Warren Johnson actually plays music, right? He plays... Uh, he shreds. He shreds, yeah. Yeah, awesome. he, he gets his electric guitar <laughs> and he just unleashes holy pentatonic hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. that sounds yeah. But it's, but his art reflects that a little bit. I think his art looks a little bit like that. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Whereas your art is very melancholic and introspective. It sounds like it would be a violin. Huh. Yeah. 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 There's this is a complimentary thing. There's a haunting quality to it um, that I think is is really. Uh, kind of cool, uh, and, and in fact, that that's that's one of the things that I that I found interesting about your stuff is is just it's so discordant, you know, in that it it looks this way, but it feels that way, <laughs> you know. Oh, there's just like these these two different things that are happening at the same time, and I think um, I think the the cartoonish look at first glance 
please excuse me. I'm going to go into like a weird thing, but no, no uh, but I think but I, but I think art exists on on three levels. Um, one is just the the glance or the impression, mm -hmm. uh, which is like less than a second. Your stuff is very inviting, less than less than a second. But then there's the observation where you're putting more eyes on it. You're starting to mull over the details. And I think your art takes a left turn, you know, sort of in, in that phase where you're kind of seeing these haunting figures, these characters that have like deep stories behind them. Um, and then the last phase is, uh, is, is memory, you know, how you remembered the stuff feeling. Um, and that memory isn't even attached to uh, art at all. It's just that feeling of experience that you have left. Right. And I think you score high notes in, in that phase as well. Um, but, uh, but that's, that's the thing that, uh, that I'm most excited about, about, uh, about what you do. And, and that's, that's not about illustration. That's purely about storytelling. Yeah. Well, that's really exciting to hear because that's, I mean, definitely what I, I want to do, you know, it's, um, Again, like when we were at that panel, we were talking about music and how, and how you, you know, like a lot of us, I feel like a lot of artists are more, not more, but for me anyway, I'm almost more influenced by music than by other art. Um, like, for example, I kind of want a certain story or scene to feel like certain kinds of music. Like I, I listen to a lot of melancholy, introspective <laughs> songwriters, you know, uh, <laughs> So like a lot of like Tom Waits and uh, oh, you know, oh, yeah, man. <laughs> stuff like that. And so like, I, I kind of want to get that like grittiness, that sort of like, like, like beautiful ugliness kind of thing. And um, uh, that's, that's, that's a great way of putting that. Yes. I, I, don't, I don't think that was me. I think I stole that from somebody, but, <laughs> but that's exactly what he does. Is like, he takes these stories of these people and these horrible parts of it, and these horrible like you know moments in their lives or places in their lives and these kind of beautiful moments in them or or like what makes them beautiful even though they're a mess you know and I, I kind of I love exploring that part of people because we're so nuanced and we have so much of everything in us you know so it's I just love listening to stuff like that it makes me feel so many feelings and then I want to like put that somehow into a scene and I don't you know so it's really cool to like to talk talk about like how to get feelings in there and it's it's definitely yeah. not just yeah that's one of the things that i think is um is really cool in uh in in coyote i think you and and i think this is a cool thing that separates illustration from comics is in coyote you achieve that through a constructive process you know where you where we um it's not something that's a one and done. You don't like try to do it in a single image. You build right. it over time. Right. And, uh, and, and, and we see the character, not through a single image of the character, but we see the character through a collective uh, that you've yeah. done. And, and all the characters in Coyote, they go through this change uh, over yeah. time that I think really 
just deepens the story every time you see the character's experience uh, change. Um, and and even the, um, the, the main character, the way that you drew her at first, she just seemed like such an innocent child. But by the time we get to the end of the book, she's just like this hardened little woman, <laughs> you know, which is uh, which is kind of which is kind of cool. And that's something that can't be done in a single image. Um, is yeah. is that something that you uh, made considerations towards as as you were kind of approaching the story? Um, I mean, I think a lot of that kind of just happened naturally. But I, um, but I think that that's kind of typical of a lot of comics, right? Like you you realize that like i remember thinking about like um trying to find a good still image of like a like a, let's just go back to the sandman right it's like a sandman character and i go and look at an image and go another image and I'm like, i don't know if this really captures that what what how i think about it and then like mm. what what you're saying and i'm just like oh it's it's actually like an entire like a whole slew of stories that i've read that has like kind of created this image of this character for me so it's not like one thing has defined them. It's like this entire, so it's, again, it's like a movie a little bit, you know, where you're, you're not going to get the whole package in one picture. It's going to have to take all, some time and some effort on the reader's part. Right. Oh, oh, you're really, you're really doing a, doing a fantastic job with it. Uh, I think um, just, just the way, the way that you're, you're handling the, uh, the storytelling, the way that you're kind of building those, you know, and, and I always, always think of comics as just sort of moment construction. You know, that's, that's what you're constantly doing. You're just kind of like, kind of going this, this drawing isn't the thing. This drawing is just a a, a pillar that I'm going to put the thing on eventually, you know, and, uh, and, and you're, you're really doing a lot of that um, through uh, Coyote with like, not only the characterizations, but with the actual physical storytelling uh, with your beats from panel to panel. Well, thank you. Well, I, I do mm. have to ask about Coyote's final scene, which was Sean Lewis <laughs> saying, make some chaotic shit happen. And those yeah. character designs <laughs> would never leave my head. When I, think of, when I think of you, Caitlin, like you have these haunting eyes. Like if you cropped the eyes of all your characters, I'd be able to ascribe an emotion. But to complement that, you can make some batshit monster character designs too. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes, 100%. So, can we talk about what went through your head when you had like the sagging mega coyote male yeah. toxic monster at the end like of Coyotes? Yeah. Um, yeah, so. Um, that was weird. And, <laughs> um, I think it's sort of like one of those things where I was like, okay, I don't do gruesome and I don't do horror and I've like never done those things before. So kind of the first, well, it was just like, I mean, I've done like, I've done dark paintings and dark drawings, but I've never done like a whole series that was like this massacres, like, you know, Quentin Tarantino style bloodbath. So I was, I was little change from spongebob a little change a little, <laughs> yeah. little bit yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 um yeah funny anecdote that like when I, I think the first time i did an artist alley uh new york city comic-con was with this kid zach Rett, who is uh who did he was the concept art uh, senior concept artist for spider-man in, into the into the spider-verse um oh, yeah. but before that we were working together at this, at this company called working man and we went to this uh um, 
thing together. <laughs> People kept coming up and thinking, is he just these like really happy, like flowery, like, you know, very colorful, like kids hanging out together and, you know, like romantic <laughs> woods and stuff. And everyone was like, was that your work? <laughs> and I'm like, no, it's this stuff. And it's like all like dripping, like disgusting, scary. Oh, nice. <laughs> it was funny because he's like, you know, everybody thought it was the other way around. But um, sorry, that was like a random thing. But, Parents covering yeah. the eyes of their kids. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's the one with all the blood. I'm the one with the cute things. Um, but yeah, I kind of wanted to like figure out a way to design a character, like a monster that didn't look like anything. If that makes sense, I was trying to figure out a way to like, because I, I didn't want it to look like it could be something. I thought I thought it, it, it's a way to make it look like it, it's just its own kind of like massive thing, and you you can't really ascribe it to a certain animal. That's you know, I mean, like I, I wasn't. That's kind of what I was going for there. Um, and also, there's a lot of Miyazaki, I think, in the the, the in the coyotes, and also the general like monstrous stuff because I love the way that they do like the like the worms coming out of the boar gods yeah. and like the stuff like right. that where like things are just like kind of or oh like Evangelion. Have you guys ever seen Evangelion? Oh yeah. 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 Yes. Like the, the way uh, that like, the eagles just... have like all the like the just things pussing out of it. You're like, yeah, what is that? But <laughs> it like, doesn't matter, you know, it's like just creepy and gross. Yeah. That was the idea. Uh, well I, I think uh you really have a touch for horror uh, type uh, type stuff. I mean, it's uh, it's it's really clean and uh, and actually, the um, the old women, you know, sort of in this just really kind of took me out. <laughs> and it's just like when when they started showing up, I was just like, okay, we have arrived. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> I was like, this is. This is just really, just really awesome. You know, it's just like, uh, it's, it's, it, you know, first it was kind of cool to see this kind of badass kind of matriarchal sort of uh, group, but then to see the old women <laughs> sort of come in, yeah. it's just like, oh, okay, so there's, there's some history to this. It's like, this, yeah. it's like, this is not something that you're in for a couple of years. This is like, you become a lifer when you join this group. <laughs> oh, Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, I think older people are just really fun to draw, like much more fun than like the, you know, like then kind of like Adonis type stereotypical, like beauty kind of people. I'm just, I mean, that's fun too, but like, man, like wrinkles and like sagging and just like all the cool shapes that you make as you get older are just so awesome. I love them. And it's, it's uh, like there, I was, I was saying to somebody else recently, like, you know, you know the guy in who plays Stick in uh, Daredevil? Yeah. I can't remember yeah. his name. John Glenn. Oh, yeah, my John God. Glenn. I was saying to somebody else earlier, I, I, I wish I had like a, like a mini copy of him at, like just in my room. <laughs> and I could just like pose him. Like you could see every muscle and wrinkle. And like he was just so, like you could, every strength, like every tendon, it was awesome. Like I just love oh, people like that, you know? This oh, sounds like really, a really yeah, well, good opportunity to, uh, like, misery via a comic book artist. Uh, you know, the, <laughs> the actor <laughs> tied up for, for anatomy study. <laughs> We'd sell at least hundred copies. <laughs> well, there's um, there's there's this uh, movie, um, you know, sort of the the right stuff, um, mm-hmm. where where like 
all of the astronauts from that movie kind of became these guys made of sinew. <laughs> you know? wow. so, so you have like, <laughs> like guys, and John Glenn was one of the guys. <laughs> you know, I have yeah. to see this. But it's like, it's like Ed Harris <laughs> instead of John Glenn. <laughs> you know, it's just like all these guys that are just like, you know, zero fat, <laughs> yeah. instead of nothing, nothing but like tendons and skin. <laughs> you no, know? they're yeah. like anatomy lessons. Oh yeah, they just look, they look like the toughest men in the world <laughs> yeah. and, to, and to tie back caitlin i remember we were talking about sufjan stevens i sent you a sufjan song it was like a remix You're like this is mm-hmm. way too shiny and it makes sense <laughs> that you love the grit of tom waits you're drawing old renaissance men during our panels and you also drew i forget her name but the cigar chomping matriarch of coyotes when we did right. our video series as well so I feel yeah. like, to a certain degree, conventional beauty is boring to you. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I mean, it's it's like a fun treat sometimes, but it's also like it's it feels generic to me. Like, no, I just like people that have a uh, interesting faces and and unusual construction, and you know, it's just more interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot of the uh, old a certain age, and they're like, okay, bring in. 3M products and bring in as many surgeons as possible. And they end up having like this weird rictus kind of face. Yeah. Whereas uh, a lot of the Europeans are just like, I'm just going to get old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It looks so much better. I, I, I see so many men, but I see so many of them that they get older and, and you can't really see what they did, but they did something. You know what I mean? And you're just yeah. Like, what, yeah. What is this? It's almost like that uncanny valley thing. And you're just yes. like, yeah. oh, you don't look like your natural self anymore. And it's kind of disturbing because it's like their whole, yeah. their whole job is their face, right? So you're just right. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and what's, so what's weird is, is they seem to all gravitate to a similar look. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like they all, they all look similar. Yep. Like there's one plastic surgeon that does everything and they just look like his work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just wish that... Uh, I could have got in with Rob Lowe's surgeon back when I was 20. Like apparently he <laughs> has been getting stepped on since the beginning of his career. No joke. Really? dude. He's never aged. Like it's unbelievable. Wow. Yeah, he looks good. I mean, I guess maybe sometimes it's just, it's hard to know whether, maybe there's some people that get good plastic surgery so you never know and then other well, people I, that, I don't Yeah, know. I mean, I, I, I certainly am no expert uh, because I've never gone under the knife, but um, the, the from what somebody was telling me that the really the, the the big stars they start early so that you never notice the change so if they right. they're getting plastic surgery and like they're you know 35 you know they start getting the, the nips and the tucks and you know i'm sure that's yeah, what so, Tom so mickey says. rourke came in too late yeah mickey <laughs> rourke's like yeah, i'm not even gonna bother um you know with, with any of that foolishness so and i i, I was i had a i, I was at a, a one of those comic-con parties um, that I sometimes can get a pass to the celebrity parties, you know, by pulling somebody's, you know, twisting an arm or something, but was was standing and having a conversation and John Stamos was right next to me. And I'm like, you're 20 years older than me and I look like your granddad. You know, it's like, it's, <laughs> oh it's unbelievable. Well, it's like Tom Cruise yeah. is like late 50s, mid 50s. Oh, easily. Yeah, He's mid, easily. Mid, mid to late fifties, but you know it, it's the all that Xenu shit. I mean, <laughs> like, did he get rid oh, of yeah. his thetans? So, 
Yeah, I mean, you know, he's 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 talking with L. Ron Hubbard on a daily basis and getting the. I need to go know, on the Thetans. I need to go the on the Thetans. Thetans yeah, yeah right. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, um, Zenu couldn't fix John Travolta's hair, but he's done a great job with uh, with Tom Cruise. Absolutely, so. Ooh, nice. <laughs> everybody that was caitlin thank you so very much for listening come back next week and we will have the second part of our conversation with her all right everybody be safe and join us next week thanks everybody